Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.59 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 6th of January, 2022. This is episode 520 of Bitcoin and I am gone from Twitter. I am nuked, vaporized, decimated. My network is gone. The fuck happened? Well, let me tell you what the fuck happened. Twitter, in all of their, you know, I don't know, esteemed intelligence decided that when I told a journalist that I hope she has fun up against the wall, that that was some kind of like direct threat on her life or something like that. At least I guess, I don't know. And I'm not even going to give the, the, the Twitter account of the journalist a question because I don't know if she reported me or not. She may not have because there was two things going on at the same time. Now, Get this, let's kind of back up and and I kind of give an overview of what's going on here. My Twitter account was exactly, was almost 12 years old on January the 1st of this new year. 6,700 followers. I was following 2,500, well, not not all solid Bitcoiners. There was quite a few people that I was following that, that weren't Bitcoiners. But uh, 2,500 people that I was following, gone. My list, my Bitcoin list of at least another 2,000 and some serious solid AF Bitcoiners were on that list. That list had like, you know, 100 followers at least, which I was surprised that somebody was following my list. It's all gone. Three years of stacking the news articles that I use to prep this show, right? Because I would make a tweet, you know, have the article in that tweet, and then I would use TweetDeck to stack that up. And then just day after day after day after day, that, that collection of tweets of all the news articles that I've covered for the last three years, gone. Just gone. My network is vaporized. I... I, I so the BEN, I'm talking about the, the, the Nunya business account, Nunya business account, BENND77 was nuked on the very first day of this year, right? All right. So that was, that was my main account. I had an alt account, which was Bitcoin and one, the number one. So I started tweeting from it. The problem that we have here is that both of those accounts, even though they had different uh, emails attached to them. They had the same phone number and I tweeted from the Bitcoin and one alt account. And within minutes I, that I started using it, that was, that account was wiped as well. 
So what what do I do? Well, I, I go and I make an appeal to Twitter. I do the whole appeal thing. And I say, hey, look, you know, and I reach out to him and I was like, oh, look, man, look, if, if there was something that I did, you know, if there was a tweet that I put out that was offensive to you or something like that, you know, shit, tell me about it. I'll, I'll delete it. Screw it. You know, whatever. And no, nope, nope, nope. Within 24 hours, I got a email back from Twitter saying we've, re- we've reviewed your account and you're committed, you're doing violence or some such shit. And so I, that's why I assume it was something to do with that journalist and telling her to hope she has fun up against the wall. And I, and why did I do that? Well, because she, when Dr. Malone, who also got ejected from uh, Twitter and lost his half million Twitter or half, no, was it, it was either 500,000 with you know, half a million, yeah. So it was like five hundred thousand Twitter followers. Um, he, he he when he got ejected, and Dr. Malone is the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology, which is in Pfizer and Moderna and whatever else bullshit that's out there. And he was raising the alarm, saying, "Look, this is this is not how you use this tech. I invented the tech. I know what I'm talking about." And he was silenced. All right, so. <clears throat> This woman writes this article about Dr. Malone, and it was the only one that was coming up if you were to search Google for, like, you know, this mRNA technology or Dr. Malone or whatever. I think it's Malone. Um, her, her bullshit article that was basically blast, trying to blast that he didn't know what he was talking about, even though he's the guy that invented the fucking thing. Anyway, whatever. That was the only one that was coming up. And she was just being stupid in the article she she does not have the she doesn't have the credentials to be able to say the things that she was saying and i'm like dude you know at one point or another these people are going to find themselves on the wrong side of history and you don't want to find yourself on the wrong side of history so i told her i was like have fun against the wall well apparently you know i'm thinking that that's why twitter you know probably banned me but also during that night uh, this was about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, uh, mountain time in the United States. Um, there was also, we were also, a whole bunch of us on Twitter were boosting mass formation psychosis. And I mean, we were getting that thing trending hardcore and I was all over it. I think that between those two instances is why Twitter went after me as hard as they did. So <clears throat> they permanently banned my account, uh, both of those accounts. And I had a third account called House Aspenwood, which I really hadn't touched in a year. It was, you know, yeah, about a year. And it was for, uh, it w- was designed to kind of get raise awareness of the house that we have in Colorado. And since we don't stay there all the time, we have a property manager and they, she rents it out for us. So I decided to make that house a Twitter account and, you know, and it just, I just didn't have time for it. So it just kind of sat there. And again, this Twitter account, even though it had a third email address attached to it, still had the same phone number, right? So you see where this is going. Now there's, there's some, there's some issues here. If I remember, because my mind is all jacked up because my network is dissipating in front of my eyes. Um, and it doesn't feel good, by the way. I, I, I'm not, I am not above admitting that, oh man, I'm, I'm going to miss people like Greg Zaj and 
icy offender and labrahodel and all his 10 instances because he's been banned probably more times than american hodl has in either event <clears throat> i started using that account and i reset the banner i reset the bio i reset everything and things were going along pretty good for a few days and then i get home back to texas from our vacation up in the mountains and we were at how you know at the aspenwood house or house aspenwood which is why that thing was named the way it was <clears throat> i get home and i you know i, I reset my tweet deck I get logged in everywhere to the new house Aspenwood account because I cannot use my, my two prior accounts and everything was going great until literally until I changed my avatar to the exact avatar of the B E N N D seven, seven account, not, and I also changed the banner to the exact banner too, but I think it was the avatar and here's why. I think it was the avatar that that got me back on the radar for Twitter. And I'm going to explain why I think that is. I have a, a file folder with uh, banners and images for across for, you know, all the social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that kind of stuff. They're sized appropriately. And I've just been collecting up the different avatars that I've been using. So when i did <clears throat> when i got my first twitter account banned and i went to the bitcoin and one twitter account the very first thing that i did was copy my avatar from the b-e-n-n-d uh site i just literally just tapped it uh tapped it again to get the uh to load in the the higher resolution image saved it to my phone and then uploaded that to Bitcoin and one. Before I did that, I was able to use Bitcoin and one for about two or three hours without any problem. The absolute second that I hit save when I put the exact same avatar from my BENND account in, it was five minutes after that, that, that the Bitcoin and one alt account got fucking banned. All right, so now here I am with the House Aspenwood account. I'm tweeting from, from Colorado in a couple of days before we leave. We get here. Oh, wait, let me back up. <clears throat> I did change the banner on the House Aspenwood account to, to, my gener to the banner that I was using on both, both two previous accounts. And then I had somehow or another, this time when I put the avatar in, I didn't actually use the exact same avatar there was something slightly different about it and i was using it fine it was still you know it was still my little kenny guy with the charlie brown face and the laser eyes and the banner wrapped around it that says this is not a negotiation but it was off a little bit there was something there was something i couldn't i couldn't quite get set up but it was there it, I mean, it was, if you looked at it, you probably wouldn't have seen that much of a difference. It was still the exact same avatar, except it was just slightly off for some reason. And I can't remember what happened, but I, I just remember going, this isn't tracking right. But I was like, fuck it, put it in there. <clears throat> and for like three days, using it just fine. I get home, I get to my computer and I raise this, you know, get my Twitter account for House Aspenwood up. And one of the first things I, I, I made some adjustments, I adjusted the bio and did some other things. 
And then I go, oh yeah, I got to drop in the actual real resolution, you know, perfectly centered avatar. And two minutes after I did that, and I'm not really, I'm not exaggerating. I'll give you five. I'll give you five minutes after that. That account was suspended. I think that it's possible that Twitter is not only tracking your linked accounts, like, you know, if you have alt accounts, not only by your phone number, I think they're actually looking on a pixel by pixel basis of avatars and actually saying, oh, that, that has the same pixel footprint, like, you know, in position zero, you know, on the y-axis and zero on the x-axis, it's solid black. So red, blue, and green uh, are all 255 or 254, you know, pixel uh, 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 pixel saturation for black. That's how you get black is red, blue, uh, green, and blue are all 254. <clears throat> and it's like track it pixel by pixel and you get an exact footprint because it's the exact same picture. And I think that it's possible that Twitter's doing that. So all you guys out there, you know, be aware. They may be, because it was, it was literally after when I changed my avatar. I had been tweeting freely for three straight days, and then I changed my avatar to the exact same one that I had on BENND77 with the exact centering and everything. And within minutes, that account was suspended. It was, I had the same phone number, you know, for these, for all these accounts and they didn't suspend my last account until I changed my avatar to the exact one. So you might want to ponder that. Now we get into the second part of this discussion. What the fuck are we going to do? What are you going to do? We've got a real problem on our hands here. We talk about network effects in Bitcoin like it's going out of style. That's why Bitcoin's going to succeed. Yeah, well, that's true. It's also why Twitter has a fucking stranglehold on basically at this point, in my opinion, all social media. Instagram, yeah, I mean, it's a thing. So is Facebook. It's dying. That's why they changed their name to Meta and are are going to change basically like try to own uh, alternate reality, virtual reality, augmented reality, because they know that Facebook, the platform that you see today, that 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 platform is dying. So we have alternatives, right? We've got Mastodon. We've got Rodolfo Novak's you know, bitcoinhackers.org, Mastodon, you know, uh, instance. Eh, nobody's using it. You know, I, I tried a few times when, when some of the previous bands started coming down from Twitter. You know, I, 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 had over, I had immediately signed up for the Bitcoin Hackers instance when Rodolfo, you know, first announced it. And I got on there and it's a ghost town. And that's fine, but at least I had it. Not, you know, and I was able to recover quite a few bits of information from my old BENND77 account because I had it linked via MOA Party, M-O-A dot P-A-R-T-Y, MOA Party. So everything that I tweeted was going over to my instance on uh, uh, Bitcoin hackers. So I was able to, re- I'm able to recover, uh, I'm able to recover a lot of stuff. It's just really painful to do that. Okay. But 
we've also got Gitter. Gitter is now coming up, you know, G-E-T-T-R. So I've got, you know, if you want to follow me on there, it's B-E-N-N-D-7-7 as normal, but it's Ghost Town. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like, uh, okay, don't get mad at me for saying this, but it's going to be a complete right wing, you know, platform because all the right wingers are the people that are getting ejected off of Bitcoin. Anybody who has a semblance of, you know, free thought is going to be lumped in as, oh, well, you must be a right winger and you're gone, even though you could be very progressive. You just have your own mind and are not afraid to speak it, right? Well, yeah, too bad. So Gitter's there. Are are we going to go over there? Are you going to follow me over there? Why would you? Network effect, network effect, network effect. This this is a sword, a sword that cuts both ways. It is very much a two-edged sword. It works for us in Bitcoin. It does not work for us on social media. And when I was able to finally get back, like when I finally decided, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and convert the House Aspenwood account to, you know, a, a third, you know, or a second alt account and start trying to reconnect uh, with people um, I started almost instantly seeing how everybody was talking about going to get her. Um, yeah. Okay. But there was also some, some subtext there was something else was going on. It was like, it was almost as if they were that when I got banned, a whole shit ton of other people got banned at the same time in the Bitcoin community, yet nobody was actually naming names. So I don't know if that was going on, but all of a sudden I just, when I got back, I see all these people talking about setting up a getter, you know, all like all this, like, all, like even Adam Curry was tweeting out. It's like, here's, 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 here's where I am on getter in case this shit goes South. A whole bunch of people was, you know, were, were saying the same thing in case it goes South, in case we get blown up in case, in case, in case. And I'm like, shit. So apparently I wasn't the only one, but I don't know who else got, who else got deleted. So the problem remains. What's the problem? A fractured social media landscape. And some people will say that's good. Well, you want multiples. Yeah, but it doesn't work that well. It it certainly doesn't work as well as a single, I know you're going to kill me, a single centralized social media platform where we can all gather. And I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I'm not a programmer. I couldn't, I could probably not program my way out of a wet paper bag. I might be able to set up, you know, a, a hello world script in like C or something like that. But even then, come on, dude, that's not really programming. That's just wiping your ass, right? So, We've got a very serious problem on our hands because some people are going to go to Mastodon and some people already have, and some people are going to go to Gitter and some people already have. And there's people like me that's got more experimental social media accounts than I care to even think about. Honestly, where are we going to congregate? Telegram? Shit. I can't stand that interface. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just this... Like you get in, like you leave, you know, you go to bed, you wake up and you get into a channel and all of a sudden you've got what, 50 messages to read and you can't figure out how to parse it because there's like three conversations that are embedded in it. What are we going to do? 
I have always thought what would be a wonderful tool is the following. Something like TweetDeck. If you haven't seen TweetDeck, if you're still if you're still active on Twitter and you know haven't been vaporized into the you know nether regions of hell, then TweetDeck is a great tool because it, you can put in multiple columns and have like one column be your general feed and one column be like if you've got a list, then your list feed, uh, your notifications in another column, and blah 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 blah. What I thought was something like that except for multiple different social media accounts one like a column for instagram a column for twitter a column for you know telegram a column for this a column for that maybe even something for slack and when i posited that you know issue a guy a developer came back to me and said do you have any idea how many api calls you're going to have to make to be able to to get that shit to work and that's a problem you know, and I won't get into, won't get into why, because I don't want to get, you know, out of my wheelhouse, but it did, it did remind like, cause you got to have API tokens for every single one. It's, it just becomes a mess. So again, the question that I have for you, what are we going to do? They're coming after us. I mean, unless you literally want to sit there on Twitter and consume the shit that they want you to consume and never say anything against it ever, because it's like, you know, you'll, you'll sit there and you'll say, well, yeah, you shouldn't have told her to have fun against the wall. Yeah, I agree. But these people are, what they're doing is actually more damaging than telling somebody, Hey, I hope you have fun up against a wall. They're touting a narrative that is a lie. And it's not just about vaccines, guys. It's about everything. We're in, I am in the midst of, of an untruth event that I've never seen before in my entire life. It is bold-faced lying 24-7. And all the people that will not have it are going to react. And I reacted in a way that got me banned from Twitter. Okay, I can deal with that. I, you know, I, I can make my bed and sleep in it. I, I get it. But at what point does those tolerance levels start to fall? And all of a sudden, you never said anything like that. And you just said, hey, man, this COVID shit's a lie. And boom, you're gone. Trust me, it's going to happen. Their tolerance level is starting to fall. Now, here's what's actually happening with Twitter and all the rest of them. I talk a lot about diversity in agriculture, right? I mean, you don't want monocrops. You don't want them. Why? Because they're susceptible to disease. Why? Well, <clears throat> if you grow a monocrop, the sugars that are being stored in the or that are being exuded from the roots of all plants doesn't matter. We, we talk about corn, soybean, it doesn't matter. Those plants are exuding a set of sugars into the soil, and that's feeding a certain subset of soil biology. Some kinds of bacteria. These kinds of nematodes feed on those kinds of bacteria. When you have a single set of sugars, <clears throat> you're only attracting and supporting a very, very narrow band of soil biology. If you have more than corn growing in your field, well, then that's better. However, the farmer doesn't want weeds. They just want corn. 
So they do everything that they can to wipe out the weeds. When they do that, they're wiping out all manner of subsets of sugars that are going into the ground to feed a diverse set of soil biology, which keeps plants healthy, free of disease, free of stress, free of drought, okay? When you end up with a monocrop because you've not only killed all the weeds, but those herbicides have also negatively affected soil biology, but worse, when you killed those weeds or those other plants, you've very severely limited the amount of soil biology and the diversity of the soil biology that support good plant health. So you have this, like, let's say a section of land is 640 acres and you're all in one kind of corn. You've got a very narrow set of soil biology supporting those plants and they get sick. And what happens when they get sick? If they get even slightly stressed, they throw off a hormone. And that hormone is designed to attract pests, to kill it. It's literally committing suicide because it's like, dude, I am not healthy. I need to go, right? It's, yeah, they, they do that. Plants do that. This is not science fiction. This is fact. I've read many books about this subject, and it's fascinating, but it's also true. They put, they put off a hormone. When you got 640 acres of the exact same plant under the exact same stress, when you're putting off a hormone, you're putting off a cloud of hormone. And that's how you get locust swarms and massive amounts of disease or uh, pest pressure because they're literally reading the hormone in the sky and they're following the trail like breadcrumbs to the crop to the crop that's affected and it wipes it out there's there's a, a there was something that was an experiment that was done there were two farms and one did a patch of corn and stressed it out and the other one right next to it didn't stress out their corn same corn I mean, exact same seed, everything. And the pests came and wiped out the one crop that was diseased or the one crop that was stressed. And it didn't touch, the pest didn't touch the other one because it was healthy. Healthy plants have so much undigestible matter when it comes to, if a pest eats a plant that's stressed, it can digest those fibers because those fibers are weak. If you go take that pest to a healthy plant, it will literally leave because it can't eat it. Because the soil biology is supporting its health because there's more than just corn there. What Twitter and Facebook and all these people are doing is they're converting a diverse ecosystem into a monocrop. It will not be very much longer before the pests set in and destroy this whole thing. Now, I was talking to my wife last night because I was horribly, and I am, I am really sad. And I'm not really even mad at Twitter. I Honestly, I'm not. Because it's like, that would be misplaced energy. Where I'm placing my energy right now is how to answer the following question. How do I keep my network intact? Are we so dependent on a single platform for our networking ability that 
the, the, we're so dependent on Twitter for that, that if you get kicked off, that your entire network vaporizes. That's not resilience, ladies and gentlemen. We need something else. And I don't think it, it relies on a singular platform. But I also think that the user experience of having to use multiple platforms is, is, is a no-go. That is not going to happen. Because you can say what you want about what you should do or how people should act or how, how we should expend extra energy to make sure that this shit happens. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. It's just not. Okay? So we have a question to answer. How do we, f- we formed all these networks. How do we keep them intact in the face of, of, of animosity, in the face of hardship, in the face of Twitter deciding that they just, you know, they don't like the, the, the dude shooting the other dude in the chair meme. Yeah, I got locked out of my Twitter account answering somebody with that meme. They told Twitter, and I remember this one, I can't remember, it was some doge queen or something like that. She literally told Twitter that she felt that her life was in danger because I put that meme up. Do you know how many times I've seen that meme? It's ridiculous. I, won't, I, I got to the point where I wouldn't even use it anymore. That's learned behavior. If you, if you think that we're totally free on any of these platforms, you're fooling yourself. We're going to need to do something different, but we're going to need to coordinate and there's going to have to be some kind of unification. And I don't have those answers. God knows I wish I did, but I'll, the only answer that I can give you right now is that if I were to be asked the question, is it important to keep your network intact? My answer is yes. The second question is how my answer, I don't fucking know. I don't know. But like I said, I was talking to my wife about it because I was, you know, kind of upset because I'm watching my network vaporize in front of my eyes because it is shit. And she just looked at me and she said, social media is at its peak. We are at peak social media. And at this point, we're looking, on the, looking at the downslope. And I think she's right. If you think that what happened to me won't happen to you because you're not going to tell a stinking, you know, journalist to have fun up against a wall, that, that you'll be safe because you won't say that, well, I got news for you. At one point or another, you will say something that you wouldn't have ever thought, ever thought was bad or could be misconstrued. And they will nuke your ass without a reason. And you'll be sitting here where I'm sitting saying, how do I reach out to my network? What do I do now? If you've got good answers for me, uh, I am on Telegram. <laughs> I am on Telegram. Go, you can go into like a taco plebs, uh, carnivore uh, plebs. There's uh, sins, uh, uh, chinos. Um, Oh God, ring of the ring of fire group. I'm in there. You'll find me. You'll, you'll find me just reach out because I don't want to lose my network. I don't want to lose you. You guys are important to me. We we're trying to do something 
that hasn't really been done in the history of mankind, and that's to free mankind. Because the money is the slave master, or at least the money that we have is the slave master. And we need to change, not masters, we need to change systems where there are no masters, and we're trying to do that, but we need to be able to stick together to do that. I don't know what else to say about it, um, but guard yourself. If you, if you already have, if your Twitter account is intact, download your shit. There's go to settings. There's a, there's a, uh, go to accounts. I think it's settings, account settings. And then there's an option, I think to download like all of your tweets, all of your lists. And I do believe that you can export who you're following and who follows you. I think all that comes down for the ride. The problem is it's in a file format. That's almost impossible to parse. I have my old one, but if you need to back up your shit, even if you can't read the file, you need to get that file. And honestly, you may want to do this. I think they allow you to do it like once a month. That may have changed. I don't know. Back up your shit. Back up your shit. Back up your shit. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. Oh, look at that. Flammable liquids kind of on fire today. Oil up uh, almost a full point and a half. Brent North Sea up 1.1%. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is $79.34 a barrel. Brent North Sea is damn near $82 a barrel. Natural gas slipping to the downside half a point. $3.86 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline also up 0.31% to $2.29. All the shiny metal rocks are down. Gold is down two points. Silver is down 5%. Platinum is down four and three quarters of percent. Copper is down 2% and palladium is down a full 3%. All agricultural futures are down. Um, we are like looking at the biggest loser is going to be wheat down over 2%. The next biggest loser is going to be soybeans down 0.81%. Uh, indices, Dow futures down 0.4. S&P futures down a quarter. NASDAQ futures down a third. S&P mini down uh, 0.18. So everything is looking pretty freaking grim right now. Why? Well, that was probably the Fed minutes being released yesterday where Jerome Powell said that he was going to increase the interest rates. Yay! I don't think that's going to happen. I think he just says it. But every like every economist that I know in in well, what I knew from Bitcoin Twitter like, you know, Greg Foss and Michael Saylor and all the other other people that you know have built lives, careers, and businesses around knowing what the hell's going on, none of them think that they can raise interest rates because the serviceable debt becomes just un well, <laughs> it's unserviceable. All right, you cannot even make payments on the interest rates, and then if they do raise interest rates on the bonds. Everybody that's been been buying bonds at sub 2% rates, like on the 10-year, they're going to get fucking hosed. Why? Well, because the bond price is going to be pushed down. As interest rates go up, the bond price goes down. 
As interest rates goes down, the bond prices go up. That's sort of the way the mechanism works. So if you're a bondholder and they actually pull the trigger on this shit, you're going to see a bloodbath just in bond prices alone. And then the United States government's got a really big problem because they got to service those 2% or higher interest rates because they bought them all. They got to do something. I mean, it, it, it becomes a mess. It becomes a mess. So no, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to raise rates. If they do, that bloodbath is going to be so bad that they're going to drop the rates almost instantly. They've done that shit before. They tried that shit before at the end of, I think it was like QE3. And then all of a sudden it was very, very painful for very, very many people. And then all of a sudden the interest rates kind of crashed back down. They tried, it failed. They're going to try again here after they've printed so much money, after they've bought so many of their, so much of their own dog food that they're going to raise interest rates. I don't think so. So that's one of the reasons why we saw a negative reaction in the uh, Bitcoin price as well. And of course, shit coins just all took a, a nosedive because it's like, oh, well, the Fed's going to fix everything. No, no, they're not. I'm sorry, but they're not. All he's doing is talking. That's, that's all he's doing. Now let's get on to real money. $42,784.39. Yeah, it's sad. Nobody likes to see this. But whatever. We have 260,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's just under 11,000 transactions per hour every hour. Uh, we've had 705,000 BTC sent in the last 24 hour period. 30,000 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour on average. And the average transaction value is 2.71 BTC. And the median transaction value? 0.015 BTC or about $651. Block times are high. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe we'll talk about Kazakhstan here in a second. 10 minutes, 40 seconds. We have 0.12 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 16 BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. With a 2.5% drop in hash rate, we're still at 173 exahashes per second, ladies and gentlemen. The, maybe, like I said, maybe I think I've got something on Kazakhstan here. We'll, we'll look for it. Anyway, your shitcoin indicator taking a nosedive as well. Uh, Dogecoin, 15.7 United States pennies. Clark Moody's dashboard showing 9,309 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear. Market capitalization has dipped all the way down to 813. <coughs> 0.2 billion dollars. That is just under 7% of gold's market cap. Yet we can still buy 23.9 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin of which there are 18,921,700, oh, sorry, 479 uh, of, and 3,309 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network valued at $142.2 million running over 18,721 nodes with 83,236 channels. Tor capacity all-time high, or at least I haven't been looking at it since I've been on vacation, but it's an all-time high for me at 75.8%. That means that 2,500 BTC are being run over the Tor network, uh, handled uh, by 11,709 Tor nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals.
Welcome to part two of the news that you can use, although I ranted for the first 30 minutes of the show on on the Twitter uh, debacle, so you didn't get news there. Uh, Sorry about that, but it had to be said. This one, however, we're going to talk about the Kazakh situation that's going on. Uh, Kazakhstan was able to rescue quite a bit of hash rate from China when China did the whole mining ban because Kazakhstan borders uh, China on the northwest side, and it was very, very close to a lot of the regions that had a whole bunch of Bitcoin mining to begin with. So, you know, it didn't take them that much to put all their miners in trucks and truck them across the border. And Kazakhstan was promising, you know, low rates and no tax and blah, 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 and all that kind of shit. It's a whole ass load of Bitcoin hash rate cruised up over the border and set up shop in Kazakhstan. And now the Kazakhstan government has resigned and shuts down the internet amid protests causing the Bitcoin network hash rate to tumble by 13.4%. Zizhuan Sun has it from Cointelegraph. On Wednesday, Kazakhstan, the second largest country in the world when it comes to Bitcoin mining hash rate, experienced unprecedented political unrest due to a sharp rise in fuel prices. As a result, the country's presiding cabinet resigned, but not before the state-owned Kazakh Telecom shut down the nation's internet, causing network activity to plunge to 2% of daily highs. Okay, let's just pause right there and pour one out for what's going on in Kazakhstan, because this shit is bad. I mean, when fuel prices rose as sharply as they did in Kazakhstan, Not only did it hurt the poor people, but it caused widespread unrest, which I'm sure this article will get into. But then, then they shut off the internet. And the internet, by the way, in Kazakhstan, is most likely used for more than just sitting on Twitter. More than just sitting on Facebook. More than getting news. More than talking to friends. They pay their bills this way. Think about that. Now they can't pay. They can't even pay their bills. But guess who knows who didn't pay? The utility companies. This is going to be bad. I've said it before. You want to see a city burn? You shut down their internet. You want to see a country burn? You shut down their internet. You want to see whole regions of the world burn to the fucking ground? Shut off their internet. Is it because it's the internet? No, it's because it's the main line of communication between people. And people have to be able to coordinate with each other. Whether it's just, hey, when's the party starting? All the way up to, uh, we're going to protest and it's going on at this time and we're going to start here. All the way over to, hey, let's, let's back freedom money and let's get some Bitcoin. That's coordination. Humans need to coordinate. We're built for it. We literally cannot survive without each other. Maybe you've heard about stories about hermits in a cave that can, you know, that are just fine. Okay, fine. I'll give you 1% of the world's population is capable of being all by themselves for their entirety, for the entirety of their lives. But for the rest of the 99% of us, we crave interaction. We crave building networks. They do things. They build stuff. And Kazakhstan just shut down the country's entire internet. This is a dangerous, dangerous situation. Let's continue. The move dealt a severe blow to Bitcoin mining activity in the country. 
As per data compiled by YCharts.com, the Bitcoin network's overall hash rate declined 13.4% in the hours after the shutdown from about 205,000 petahashes per second to 177,000 petahashes per second. The country accounts for 18% of Bitcoin's network hash rate, or yeah, hash rate. Just days prior, the Kazakh government removed price caps on liquefied petroleum gas used for car fuel to align with market conditions, which doubled its price overnight. This sparked violent protest. At the time of publication, the internet remains inaccessible in Kazakhstan. If extended, the consequences could be severe as internet services aside, the data center industry and blockchain association of Kazakhstan expects the country to generate $1.5 billion from legal cryptocurrency mining and another $1.5 billion in illicit mining uh, over the next five years. The country's low energy prices have attracted both domestic and foreign entities to set up shop for Bitcoin mining. According to global petrol prices, electricity in Kazakhstan costs on average just $0.05 per kilowatt hour. That's, that's a nickel for us in the, in the United States. Uh, for businesses, a fraction of the 0.12 or 12 pennies per kilowatt hour paid by United States businesses. So not only, so there's a double whammy on the 13.4% of mining hash rate in Kazakhstan. One, no internet access. Okay, well, that's fine. If you've got Blockstream satellite, you can, you, you can connect and you can roll on. Ah, but what happens to the energy prices in Kazakhstan? They're going to go from a nickel to probably well over 12 cents that we're paying for in the United States on average. Well over. So not only can they not connect to the network without using like a Blockstream satellite situation, and they're not going to be using mesh network, right? Because it's just, it's, it's not there yet. That's got way a ways to go, but they could certainly use Blockstream satellite. Well, okay, great. Well, they can't afford to run the miners because the electricity is going to go through the roof. So all the physical mining that's in Kazakhstan has been effectively shut down. We are right back to a China ban. Centralized mining is not the way to go. Decentralized mining is the only way to go. How do we do that? Natural gas. There's other things. There's other fuel sources. The great thing about these, all these other fuel sources is that it doesn't really, it's not really conducive to setting up massive data centers. We have to adjust our mindset. This, we've been we've been in a swim or swimming in a soup of centralization for all of our lives, most of our parents' lives, and a good part of our grandparents' lives. Things before that were generally decentralized. We've been trained to think, well, we'll just put it all in one building. That's this isn't going to work for us going forward. Not only are we at peak social media, ladies and gentlemen, we are at peak centralization and it's only going to go down from here. That is a good thing, I think. So let's go ahead and move on uh, from one country to another. El Salvador to move forward with issuing Bitcoin bonds, according to the finance minister. Matthew DeSalvo has it for decrypt.co. El Salvador is getting closer to issuing its Bitcoin bonds 
Today, the country's finance minister said that the government would send Congress around 20 bills to get started with the process. President Nayib Bukele then confirmed it via Twitter. Oh, Twitter. <laughs> El Salvador's Minister of Finance, Alejandro Zelaya, said in an interview on Tuesday with local media that the bills would, quote, provide legal structure and legal certainty to everyone who buys the Bitcoin bond, end quote. <clears throat> the idea is that $1 billion in bonds will be issued this year, with half converted to Bitcoin and the other half used for infrastructure and Bitcoin mining. The government hopes that the issuance will help build a Bitcoin city, a tax-free enclave for Bitcoin advocates in the east of the country powered by geothermal energy from nearby volcanoes, hence why people refer to these as volcano bonds. Quote, we're the first country to release a Bitcoin bond, and because we are the first country to do this, it needs to be regulated, said Zelaya, adding that the government was drafting the appropriate legislation for the bonds to be released. El Salvador last year became the first country in the world to make Bitcoin legal tender. Yeah, we know, dude. Businesses now have to accept it if they have the technological means, though many still don't. The move has been praised by the Bitcoin community, but criticized by the World Bank, the IMF, and global credit rating agencies. Ah, screw those guys. Citizens have also organized to protest against El Salvador's Bitcoin law on several occasions. Yeah. There are dozens of us, dozens, I tell you. Yeah, the reason I say it that way is because if you saw pictures of these actual protests, you'd realize that there's literally dozens, not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands. No, no, no. A, cu a couple of fistfuls of idiots that have probably been paid by the IMF to go out there and stand up against a fence or something like that. Who knows? Anyway, continuing on, the country's Bitcoin-loving president is constantly announcing crypto-related projects and the Bitcoin bonds in Bitcoin City is one of the latest. El Salvador's Bitcoin bonds will be issued by Blockstream, a Bitcoin infrastructure company that has been helping the Lightning Network expand in the country. The tiny Central American country wouldn't, at first sight, appear to be the most attractive place for foreign investment. Its bonds were the world's worst performing last year, according to Bloomberg. Will bonds backed by cryptocurrency do better? Dude, you spelt Bitcoin wrong. Again, decrypt. Again. My God almighty, y'all. Jesus. All right, what's going on here? Oh, no. Uh, let's do this one first. Bitcoin fills 42K December price wick as analysts says party is just getting started. William Suberg's got it for Cointelegraph. Bitcoin delivered fresh volatility on January the 6th as range bound behavior saw its first shakeup in weeks. Data from Cointelegraph, Markets Pro, and TradingView showed BTC dropping overnight to hit 42,000 for the first time since December. Although not the upside breakout that many had wanted, the move was nonetheless predicted. Bitcoin essentially filling the space left after it briefly wicked to 41,800 earlier last month. Those lows were the result of a liquidation cascade, and while long positions also felt pain around this time, skepticism remained as to whether the revisiting of 42,000 had been enough to put in a price floor. Quote, Honestly surprised we didn't see more of a flush today if this was aggressive longs built up. Could still resolve to the upside, end quote, analyst William Clemente wrote in a series of tweets about the action. Clemente was among those already calling for more volatile conditions this month and noted that the majority of Bitcoin futures open interest remained. 
As Cointelegraph reported, open interest hit an all-time high in BTC terms during the week. As ever, those zooming out found comfort and familiarity in Bitcoin price action versus historical behavior. Fibonacci levels analyzed by fellow analyst TechDev showed that Bitcoin was still at least attempting to copy patterns built up from previous halving cycles. Quote, Comparisons to past cycles aside, price slash indicator action and volume behavior suggest to me that 2021 was effectively a year of consolidation similar to the third quarter or I'm sorry, similar to 2019 through the third quarter of 2020. And that is likely to lead to another market impulse before the next major correction, he added in his own set of posts as the market began to dip. For the average retail investor, however, it looked as if there was little hope left, at least on the day. The Crypto Fear and Greed Index halved during the dip to 15 out of 100, deep within the index's extreme fear zone and its lowest level since last July. And at that time, BTC traded at a maximum of $33. Uh, as Cointelegraph reported, jitters in sentiment were already palpable as 2022 began. Yeah, there's a lot of shit that already happened in 2022. I mean, honestly, you know, you got Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of mRNA, you know, vaccine technology being deleted off Twitter. Lots of people got deleted off of Twitter. I got deleted off of Twitter. The prices start, start falling. And all I can think of is I have hope. I do. I'm not, I, at this point, I'm not, I'm not hopeless. I know it looks bad, but if you've been here before, you kind of, you're kind of numb to it. It still hurts. I, I think anybody who says that, oh, I'm, I'm impervious to price fluctuations. Oh, bullshit. You are not. Of course you get happy when the price goes up and you get sad when the price goes down. It's the, the numbness that we refer to is panic buying and panic selling. Panic buying is much better than panic selling unless you panic buy the top, right? And then you get crushed and that puts you into a mental position when the price does decrease to panic sell. This is why I actually believe that panic buying is just as bad as panic selling, which is why I always daily cost average. And that really just helps me smooth out the bumps, right? So daily, what is daily cost average? Buy 25 bucks a week, buy $100 a day. I don't know, whatever it is that you wanna do, but you just buy it every week or every day or just once a month, but on the same time of the same day that month. Or if you buy it like I do, you know, weekly, same time of day, same day of the week, my, my buys are always Wednesday morning. They don't exactly happen at, you know, wh wherever it is that I've got the time set. There's some lag because it's a third party that's handling that. And it's, it's, I'm using, for my personal stuff, I'm using Cash App. For the family businesses, we're using Swan Bitcoin. And it, but it just buys every week. I just set it and forget it. I don't have to actually go and, and say, oh, I'll set an alarm and it's like, oh, it's Wednesday at eight o'clock in the morning. It's time to buy some Bitcoin. No, I don't do that. I just set it on automatic. It continuously drafts, you know, some cert, you know, some amount of money from my checking account every single week. And it immediately converts that to Bitcoin and I ain't got to worry about it.
This kind of volatility is the kind of shit that will get you hammered. So don't do it. Don't play the markets. Just buy Bitcoin, DCA doing it, and hodl your living ass off. Because billionaire Ray Dalio recommends a reasonable 1% to 2% Bitcoin allocation. Joseph Hall tells us more, Cointelegraph. Hedge fund manager Ray Dalio remains bullish on Bitcoin in 2022, listing three, count them, three primary reasons why Bitcoin is impressive. In a recent interview with the Investors Podcast, he talked up gold and BTC as an inflation hedge. When prompted by interviewer William Green about what a sensible allocation for a layperson would be, Dalio said that he agrees with fellow billionaire Bill Miller's suggestion that 1% to 2% is the right allocation. He explained that the network has never been hacked, it has no better competitor, and BTC adoption rates would suggest that it could further chip away at gold's market cap. Quote, Bitcoin is now worth about $1 trillion, whereas gold that is not held by central banks and not used for jewelry is worth about $5 trillion. When I look at that, I keep in mind because I think over time, inflation hedge assets are probably likely to do better, end quote. The founder of the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, Dalio echoed comments made last year during the recent interview with the podcast saying he was impressed that Bitcoin has survived the past decade while reiterating that he is not favorable to cash. Dalio did caveat his musings on the rise of Bitcoin, highlighting the zealotry surrounding the Bitcoin community as being a possible Achilles heel and as is to be expected from the or for the investor known as Mr. Diversification. He also asked a broader question regarding digital assets, quote, when does somebody collect, take the money they made in Bitcoin and then diversify that and in other words, move to other things, end quote, oh, you dick. He waxed lyrical about non-fungible tokens and other coins as potential diversification destinations. For the moment, however, BTC occupies, occupies a place in his inflation hedge asset class alongside gold. Do not think that Ray Dalio is your friend. He will turn on, he's a jackal, dude. That's how he made his money. He will turn on you. So, you know, don't trust him. Right now, he's kind of in, in our camp. But I really wouldn't recommend hanging my hat on that shit, right? Uh, let's see, what else have we got to uh, round this off? Oh, Marathon. Yeah, let's do this one. This one is exciting. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine is, who is it? Oh, Namcios. Hello, Namcios. Bitcoin Magazine is telling us about the following. Marathon mined 3,197 BTC in 2021 and 846% in, uh, and, 846% increase year over year. Bitcoin mining company Marathon Digital Holdings had a record year in 2021 as it produced over 3,000 Bitcoin, up from 338 BTC in the previous year. The company said in a statement on Monday, the miner now holds a total of 8,133 BTC, worth about $370 million at the time of writing. Marathon's monthly production also spiked in December as the miner saw its operations function near total capacity after a previous month marked by maintenance work and upgrades in its power plants. The miner produced 417.7 BTC in October, 196 BTC in November, and 484.5 in December. Quote, 2021 was a transformative year for Marathon as we increased our hash rate 1,790% and increased our Bitcoin production 846% in 
year over year to 3,197 self-mined BTC, said Fred Thiel, Marathon CEO, in a statement. We finished the year with our most productive month to date, producing 484.5 Bitcoin in December and 1,098 Bitcoin in the fourth quarter. Marathon said it deployed 30,391 Bitcoin mining machines last year to increase its hash rate capacity from 0.2 exahashes per second in January to 3.5 exahashes in December. The company also expanded a hosting agreement with Compute North to accommodate 100,000 miners, an extra 30,000 rigs from the original deal. Marathon said its mining fleet currently consists of 32,350 active machines. In December, Marathon announced a stellar $879 million purchase of 78,000 Bitcoin mining rigs from Bitmain in a push to reach over 23 exahashes per second of hash rate capacity by the end of next year. As per the purchase agreement terms, the company will receive 13,000 machines per month between July and December 2022. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. As I leave you today at the end of the first show of 2022 of Bitcoin and I want to remind you don't let don't let us die. When I mean us, I mean you too. Somehow or another, we're going to have to figure out a way. We're going to have to do it. And I don't think it means building yet one more social media platform. I think that's done. I think you're spinning your wheels. I think if you have the, oh, I know how I'll, I know how I'll help you there, Mr. Bennett. Don't. Because it ain't going to happen by, you know, setting your ass in a chair in front of, you know, Microsoft, like a Microsoft development suite you know, punching out C++ code. I don't think it's going to happen if you're going to do that to build uh, yet one more social media platform. Because think of the old adage. There's a cartoon, you know, that's like got these two people going, man, there's there are 14 separate protocols to do the same thing. We need a unifying protocol for all of this shit. And then the next frame says, now there are 15 protocols. It's just, all you did was add one. We can't think this way any longer. And we also can't think about centralization any longer. Somehow, someone, somewhere, some way needs to come up with a solution. And I wish it was me. I really do. I wish it was me. But I am not so, like, I'm not such an egoist that I'm going to start shaking down people for money to do a project that A, I can't do, and B, will result in the 15th fucking protocol. This is not the way to go. So how do we do it? How would you do it? And I mean, even though that you can't get to me on Twitter anymore because I'm banned, tell the people that are still there how to do it, how you think it should be done. Write an article for Bitcoin Magazine. I don't know, like hit up Matt O'Dell and, and give him your crazy ideas. Chances are good. All of them will be shot down like ducks in winter, but... Matt's a good guy. I've told him a couple of ideas that I had. He shot him that he shot him down and for good reason. But he will listen. Somebody, somewhere, we've got to do something. If we don't keep our network intact, if we don't keep the community intact, we're in trouble. 
And I also, honestly, guys, I also don't think that what I'm saying is that we should all leave Twitter because A, you're not going to listen to me. B, you're not going to do it. C, if you did do it, that's bad too. Why? Because you extract your voice and you limit the diversification of what's left. What's left, if Bitcoin Twitter goes away, and moves to another platform and we're all just chatting amongst ourselves, which I'll get to in a second. What's left is a bunch of ETH heads sucking dick of, of, of everybody that is like so hardcore liberal that they are the kinds of people that allowed San Francisco to die with their idiot policies. I mean, being liberal is one thing, but being an idiot about is another. Being you know, being conservative is one thing. Being an idiot about it is quite another. We don't need to be idiots about any of this shit. But if you remove everybody that we know from Bitcoin Twitter, all of the anarcho-capitalists go, you know, like, or not all, but a lot of those guys go. A lot of the guys with very conservative mindsets go. A lot of the guys that want to just like, that really believe in, in nutrition from, from animal protein, they go. There's, I mean, we, we literally would remove so much diversity that the only thing that would be left is Vitalik Buterin telling the rest of what's left of Twitter that Elizabeth Holmes is not such a bad girl. And she is. And if you don't know who that is, you might want to look up Elizabeth, Holm, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. She got convicted on Monday for defrauding investors. She's going to fucking prison. And I don't think that they're going to save her ass. I don't think she was entrenched enough into the establishment that any of the amount of money that she was able to squirrel away from all the defrauding that she did commit, and she did commit fraud, um, that I don't think any of that money is going to save her because she does. I don't think she had the friends that she needed to have to be able to save her ass from this. She's going to rot. And guess what? Her Twitter account is still intact. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I tell uh, some chick from Slashdot with 2,700 followers to have fun standing up against a wall and 12 years of my history is completely gone. This little bitch coming out of high school can stand up and defraud billions of dollars from thousands of different people, get fucking convicted for it, and guess what? Her Twitter account is still intact. Who did more damage? Who did more damage? That's what I'm saying. This is. You will say, well, you, you shouldn't have told her to stand up against the wall. I, I, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. That's a mistake. But how do you explain Elizabeth? How do you explain that? It's selective culling. And what they're selecting against, or rather selecting for, is going to leave a monocrop. And I just told you what a monocrop will do. If your soil is not healthy because you work on it all the time, which means at one point or another rotating through diversity, what you're going to get is a farmer that plants nothing but corn year after year after year after year after year after year. And after a while, no matter how much fertilizer and rock phosphate and trace minerals that you put on that shit, that soil is not going to support the diversity it needs to have a functional immune system to support the plant. And the locusts will come in 
And I don't know who those locusts are, but I have a sneaky suspicion that it very well may be us. If we figure this out, if we can figure out a way to connect with each other and keep those connections through the most tumultuous of adversarial environments, then nothing can stop us. But I've been stopped. I will never be able to put, I will never be able to piece together the same network that I had. It's gone forever. And I'm, I've got to live with that. I'm okay. And I'm actually kind of okay with it because it puts me in a position where I really get to think about well, what the hell is my message? I mean, think about it. You just say, if you could, and you can't because the accounts are suspended. If you go back through, you know, my Twitter account, eh, just kind of like screeching into the void. You know, not, not really a, you know, a cohesive message other than, you know, Bitcoin, of course, but you know, I really need to sit down and I really need to think what's, what's going to be my message moving forward. How do I move forward? But most important of all, how do I recapture my network? Not just because it does something for me. Of course, I'm, you know, of course I'm going to be a little bit selfish. You have to be, but I'm, I'm going to miss Greg Zaj. I'm going to miss IC Offender. I'm going to miss Labrahodl. I'm going to miss Hodel or not. I'm going to miss 2,500 people that were on my fucking Bitcoin list that are now gone. I have ways of reconstructing it a little bit, but it's never, it's never going to be the same. And if you think it can't happen to you, you just wait. It will. Twitter is purging every single thing that even remotely looks like it doesn't agree with the national slash global narrative. And that's the centralization that you really need to watch out for is the global centralization of narrative. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're not just seeing it by nations and nation states. We're not just like, like, like Texas is not a situation where Texas has one. Well, actually Texas does has, have a completely different narrative. Let's talk about like, I don't know, New Mexico has the same narrative as Colorado, which has the same narrative as New York, which has the same narrative as California, Texas and Florida and like Wyoming and shit like that. No, we're different, but in aggregate, the world narrative is centralized. It has been for years, but it's never been more evident than it is right now. And we need to get back to decentralized narratives. What are they? They're the stories that you tell for yourself. They're the stories that you choose to listen to. They're the stories that you choose to propagate. They're the stories that are different than other stories. And we're not seeing that right now. And we haven't seen it in a long time, but we are waking up to it. It wasn't just that, you know, I got banned off of Twitter, you know, over this, uh, my Christmas break. Um, a couple other things happened to me and I won't get into it um, because it's just neither here nor there. But there, there was one night where while I was up at the house in Colorado that uh, had a really bad night and I wasn't sure what it was. It may have been you know, a combination of high altitude, you know, and the fact that, you know, kind of exhausted and all that kind of stuff. But it was one of those things where it's like, I couldn't tell if it was like, you know, was it, was I having any anxiety? I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning, took a piss, went back to bed and immediately started freaking out. I don't even know about what. And I generally go, oh, that's like one of those, that's like one of those anxiety attacks or something like that. But it was bad. It got really bad. I mean, really, 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 really bad. And I couldn't put my finger, what the hell's going on? 
And it was just freaking me out. And then it turned in, I think it turned into a full-blown panic attack. I sure as shit wasn't sleeping that night. So I went downstairs and I'm walking around going, what the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? Now, this is actually a couple of days before I got banned off of Twitter. So this shit hadn't happened yet. So I'm walking around, I poke in the fire, you know, making, you know, putting some wood on it, trying to figure out, you know, like have some kind of reason to be awake. It's like five degrees outside. So I'm not getting dressed and going outside and, you know, doing that shit. So I'm just walking around the living room like a fucking idiot. And all of a sudden this voice comes into my head and, you know, I am a Christian. I do believe in God. I won't blame you if, if, you know, if you think that that's silly, there's many people that do. I don't, but there was a voice in my head. I think it might've been God. Maybe it was my own voice. I don't know. It doesn't matter because the message was fucking clear. Do I have your attention yet? It was as clear as a bell. Do I have your attention yet? And I'm never going to forget that night. For as long as I live, I'm never going to forget that night. And then fast forward a couple of days, all three of my Twitter accounts get hosed. And I'm like going, what the hell's going on? Again, the voice. Do I have your attention yet? Yeah, you have my attention. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.